Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hi, welcome to this episode of Impact the World, where my guests are the brothers Corrin. Isaac and Torald Corrin are two brothers from Australia who had the most incredible ride through the traditional music industry before discovering that they themselves needed a deeper sense of connection and expression. And they have spent many years now helping other people find that through both individual work and group work. I think what's really beautiful about their work is not only do they come at their work with a great deal of knowledge and compassion and evident healing from their own lives, but also to see two brothers and two men of such heart bringing their love, their passion into the world was really, really gratifying. They also gift us with a song at the end of the conversation. So stay tuned for the end because it's gorgeous. And for those of you who enjoy this show and want to help support the show, you can do that by subscribing at Apple Podcasts, leaving us a rating or a review, or you can subscribe on my YouTube channel for the video versions of all the shows so that you don't miss any notifications that a new one is here. But for now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with the brothers Corin. And as ever, you can find links to all of their work in the show notes. Isaac and Toral, thank you so much for being with us. This is going to be a great show. And I love so many things that you guys stand for. But um, before we kick off, I would love to just read something from your website, which I think really encapsulates your current mission. You say, somewhere beyond the inhibitions, do you remember how distinct, valuable, and powerful you are? We have a secret to share with you. The world has been missing your voice just as much as you have. Claiming your voice isn't a luxury, it's a need. So welcome to you and your voices to the show. Thank you, Lee. It's Thank our pleasure Lee. to be here. Thank you. It sounded better when you read it than when we <laughs> wrote it. It always sounds better when someone else reads it. That's the thing. No, it's, it's, it's fantastic because you... You know, I've worked as an intuitive and a a teacher for a long time in the energy sphere. And that truth is something that it can take so many of us years to uncover. So I'm curious, you're currently teaching this to people and bringing out programs and work that really help people get there. Clearly, that has been a journey that you two have both embodied. So maybe you could take us back in time as to your first your first forays into finding your own voices and what that journey has been like. Wow. Well, yes, we will. And and we found music separately at first, uh, even though we were really close brothers. Uh, you know, I was the batter, he was the bowler in cricket growing up in Australia. <laughs> you'll, you'll understand that. Um, you know, we yeah, always yeah. teamed up. We always teamed up and had a lot of fun being partners in crime from an early age. But we actually went our separate ways for a moment uh, when our parents divorced and both found music separately. And it wasn't until our father got remarried that we, uh, we ended up at his wedding and two nights before we looked at each other and said, what are you getting? Did you get him a wedding gift? And Isaac was like, no. And I was like, well, yeah, me neither. And we went, well, what if we write a song for him? And so we got together with a bottle of wine, you know, like 19 and 20. I can't remember how old we were. And we, we wrote this song for him. And it was dead harmony, kind of Simon and Garfunkel-esque. And uh, we ended up doing it at the wedding. And um, we knew that there was something between us. And even though we'd found music separately, there was this meeting. And it was as if when we joined in harmony, well, it was more we couldn't not do this. And that really started our love of music. And Isaac has a great story about how he discovered well, his I, voice. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't going to sing. In fact, I was uh, what we call now an I can't singer which is I, I lived with the belief that I couldn't sing. And, and I, I didn't pay any attention to it. I wasn't seeking out singing. But uh, just before this divorce that ended up being so powerful for both of us um, 
happened, I had this voice and it was in our first trip to America from Australia. And the voice simply said, you will sing. And it was a deep voice and it was smiling at me. And I, I haven't had one that clear since, um, but I took no notice of it, of course. And six months later, um, at this party, teenage party, my best friend, Yaniv, he had this long hair and he was playing the blues guitar and I was listening into the music and I was really going in like it was a shamanic experience and he saw me having an experience and he looked up and he said, sing for me, Zach, he called me, sing for me, Zach. And so I just, you know, started wailing the blues, like my voice happened and uh, for the first time I heard it. He heard it, the whole party heard it. They all crowded around us. He said, I didn't know you could sing. And I said, I can't sing. <laughs> I was still an I can't sing. And he said, no, you know, you, you know, I, I won't accept that. You're going to play for my band. I think he swore at me. He's like, but no, but you're going to sing for my band. And we have a gig in two and a half weeks. And so there began a 20, over 20 year journey now. Had two bands. Um, and then Tarot and I wrote this song for our dad. And, uh, yeah. you know, have, have, I went from an I can't singer to I can't stop singing. You know, mm -hmm. I'm an always singer. Yeah. For me, early on, uh, I found music when I was about 12 and it was just, it was a voice came out of me. You know, that's an interesting part that everyone that's ever actually gifted themselves the, the worthiness to say, I'm a singer, which takes mm -hmm. a certain amount of worth, mm -hmm. which is really our mission to help people revalue the fact that everyone is a singer, uh, that it's an identity that we've all been gifted by nature. For me, it was at a very young age after hearing the musical Annie on TV, mm -hmm. like I think thousands of kids at the time. And I heard this voice come out of me and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I can do that. And it, it became something I cherished. And most, I think, truly for me, music became a safe space when um, the trauma of our family divorcing, uh, it, it, it kind of, our family crumbled around us. And for me, music became a solace. Um, and the way my hands touched an acoustic guitar and how I sung it was like this safe container for me to express how I felt or feel the unfeelable. Mm. And so that's really what embarked me on my kind of my special relationship with mm. singing as, as, as my medium. And so that's really where we joined as teenagers in New York City. We actually followed our beautiful wild mother uh, across the sea. She had this gut feeling to go to New York to move even without her kids, hoping her kids would follow eventually. And we were all under the age of 18 when she did it. And we met up in New York City and knew that we had to stay here and we had to just point ourselves um, mm -hmm. naively and, and triumphantly at this idea, this uh, American dream, if you will, uh, of you know, seeing if we could become the next biggest band in the world, really. I mean, that was mm -hmm. our heart's desire. It was like, how do we just sing out and roar out in harmony and bring people around us? That was, that was what we set mm. uh, our dreams upon. And we ticked most of, most of what our goals were um, off and, um, and, and had a wild ride. Uh, 15 years, we, we played to over a million people. We earned a gold record. We played with some incredible musicians that have taught us so much about how to show up in life. Uh, we toured with Pink to over 60 arenas and she is a radical expressionist, you know, and, uh, you know, such a hard worker and, and uh, toured with Coldplay and Rod Stewart and, you know, saw the, saw this world firsthand and um, got to realize that we were truly in love and curious with the everyday person that we got to meet in those rooms, the people mm. that just love music. Mm. And we, we got fascinated with why and how is it that music moves us so greatly. And um, on a whim, uh, after many years of touring and we had a, a young uh, families, we moved them out from New York City to, to the West Coast to, to, to be around LA and the songwriting scene. And we quickly moved into rooms uh, writing for some of the the biggest names in in Hollywood, but we personally found uh, like that there wasn't enough contact, there wasn't enough humanity in the process. Mm -hmm. We couldn't be as creative as we wanted to be. So, kind of in a in a breakdown, in a moment of feeling disconnected from you know what we were meant to be doing on the path that we're meant to be on, we said, well, if it's not this, 
songwriting for, for these people right now in this way? What is it? And in that moment, the songwriter's journey kind of struck us. us and we downloaded it and got lost in this car and, and it was like Hills. a song it was like it was quite literally like a song and if yeah. you're a songwriter um and any of us that you know we're all radical creatives even if we've forgotten it mm. uh, but when a song comes to you it's like it's coming through you know labor has begun and you either cut it off or you just let it let it come out and haunt you and you hold it until it's been into first draft and the songwriter's journey came to us like a song and Within this hour, we, we hit, suddenly light bulbs went off. What if we became someone's brothers? And from inception, with their permission, what if we walked a series of stages where they got to know themselves and dive in to what makes them them, what moves them? And what if we combined all of our mentoring and all of our coaching? We've been coaches and mentors um, for 20 plus years. What if we combined it all together and almost gave it this wild, dynamic, uh, roller coaster of a journey for them to truly dig in their depths. And from that vantage point, we co-create song or help them birth the songs that have been, you know, dying to come out of them that mm. they may have not known how to mine for. And from that point, what if we then went into the studio? So that's how the idea started. And at first it was just for, you know, aspiring uh, people in the entertainment world, you know, first time artists. And it really quickly within the first 10 journeys. In fact, Justin Michael Williams was, uh, was a dear friend of ours now and an incredible leader. He was our fourth ever songwriter's journey. And by about 10 in, we looked at each other and said, this is for voices from all walks of life. This is for anyone mm. that is ready to play daringly in the medium of voice and song um, as an opportunity to truly um, get to know themselves and form new relationships to their expression and creativity. And, and this is an opportunity for someone to reclaim their voice without destroying their life in the process. And to go back to the beginning of this kind of crazy journey that we're on, you know, when our mother left Australia on her own, left her children, her life behind, she, that was a desperate act to reclaim her voice. Yeah. And so now, you know, we hold this space for that to happen with grace and ease in someone's life yeah, yeah. to, to be an expansive process rather than contractive or destructive, you know, not that we're not grateful that she left Australia and, and here's where we are, but, we are now. but to at the core behind, you know, our imperative, you know, our souls work here doing this. And, you know, we didn't set out really to do this, but back of what we're doing is an, a desire to 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 give people an opportunity to reclaim their voice in a way that engages them as a, as a playful uh, a playful being, you know, willing to what we call dare to suck, to make a mess, and to engage mm. the creative process like nature intended it. Ain't that the truth? And it's so interesting because I mean, there's you you guys said so many things there, but one thing that you said early on, Isaac, is you talked about I was an I can't singer. And I think that's true. I think everybody has that in them. Uh, unless singing was your your art, your expression, and what you were validated for from a young age, which isn't most people's reality, but everyone I've ever spoken to, everyone will say, oh, I can't sing or I can't. Yeah. You know, where did it come from for you? Was it just general cultural conditioning or did you have specific uh, a specific piece of feedback that got lodged for you? Great question. Um, it really was just a, 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 that wasn't the path laid out for me. I was going to do something safe that, you know, I guess followed our father's footsteps, something, something, you know, like a, I was going to be a lawyer, you know, something uh, where I could use my confidence, but, you know, in a, it's something that was a, a practical, uh, some do the right thing kind of thing. And in, in Australia, that's looked looked upon well and i just didn't consider it but now we find that there's you've got your shower singers who love to sing but don't want to be seen doing it you've got your car singers who love to sing but don't want to be heard and you can see them okay but you know rocking out at the traffic light yeah, but totally that. Right. and then you've got your um your wedding singers right yeah. so if, if if your best friend asks you to sing only if your best friend asks you to sing at their wedding, you know, yeah. will you and then? And you'll prepare for months, right? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I have to do this. And then you get up there, nervous, excited, you sing, you're like, oh, my God, I love this. 
And then you go back to not doing it till the next wedding. Yeah. That's, that's the wedding singer to us. There's also the karaoke singer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say that's the one where it's like people are mortified that they've signed up, but then the minute they do the first song, they don't want to get down. It's like they, <laughs> it's kind of like once the gates are opened, exactly, our natural desire to express yeah. and vocalize in that way can't be can't be lidded so easily. Yeah. yeah. And then I, like we've discussed, there's the I Can't Singer who until they have been given an invitation, right? And so much of our work is giving people voices from all walks of life, but also all ages, you mm -hmm. know, the opportunity to say, well, maybe you've lived under the moniker, I can't sing. But what occurs when you allow the expression that wants to bubble up out of you to cross your lips and support that very radical act like nature intended mm -hmm. and what occurs when you when you do that so we really walk around giving people permission to to try that mm. and to, to become curious as to the voice that comes out of them and not a voice that looks good or sounds good or reaches or attains a uh what the world has mm. um sort of created this very strange relationship with a goal-setting approach to the human voice um, to truly bypass that narrative mm. and come back to the experience of what it feels like and sounds like to be them mm -hmm. and alive and fall in love with that and actually gather experiences and realize, wait a minute, you know, the choir teacher was wrong about me or my dad, my dad was accidentally inhibitive to me uh, or my sister laughed at me when I tried to sing when I was 11 and I've been carrying around that inhibition and for no reason because there is a voice in me. Right. And so yeah. that's really our goal is to help people, those car singers, shower singers, karaoke singers, wedding singers, I can't singers, and even the I can't stop singers, go deeper and turn back inward to the experience that's awaiting them, mm -hmm. which is to, there's never been a voice like you. And when the part of you throws cliche on what I just said, it's time to cliche the cliche because the truth is there is this moment here that you've been gifted this what we call the whole body instrument, which is truly designed by nature for one time only, this exact amalgamation of carbon and ancient stars to sound out, like quite literally this body, these chords, the space, this cartilage and bone as remarkable as an acoustic guitar or a grand piano. It is designed for now to sound out what it feels like to be you. Mm. No one else will More ever have this. More remarkable You know, this is God's instrument. And, you know, we want to call bull on this, the, the, we, we want to reframe something and it's sticks and stones may break my bones, but names can really hurt us. Right. Mm -hmm. So many, so many little things like stop singing. You're too loud. Yeah. You know, even just a sh like it's a bit flat. The voice, the voice is, is our power center, but it's also the most vulnerable center. Because in one word, it can be shut down for 30 years. Mm. And so we, we call these the small voices, which we'll go into in a sec. But the one I just wanted to say, and we'll bring it up again, uh, Lee, is, you know, from, the from colonial countries, you know, from England out, um, the, you know, oh, don't, you know, you're too loud. Don't be too mm. much, which, mm -hmm. is, which is a very a cultural um, inhibitor as well. Sorry. Very much. Inhibitions are are given from the country you grew up in as well. Yeah. Or like you might have a sibling that's, bigger than you, the louder than you. And so that's for them. You're not that one. Like people mm. aren't used to you making a noise or singing. So it's I disruptive. just don't do it. And I think that's more where I was coming from of like, yeah, that's just not, yeah, I don't do that. You know, that's not for me, but I didn't know what was there coming out. And, um, you know, I guess if I hadn't had the voice and I hadn't put two to two together and, you know, I, I may not have followed it as, as easily, but I guess we're the ones now doing the invitation and the requesting because yeah. often it takes a good request. It takes the energy of someone else saying, hey, I want to hear you. Mm. Will you make a sound? Yeah, will will you, you sing will for you me? Yeah. You know, and but putting people on the spot gives them an opportunity to take them, give themselves that, allow themselves, you know, it's, um, we're, we're instruments that are not only making a sound, but we're also receiving, we're listening and we're breathing and we're taking in, you know, what's happening mm. as well. So when you're working with people, there must be some kind of common uh, objections that we have 
to allowing our voice out. And I'm just curious because we've got you and you've studied this and seen this firsthand. What are just a few of the most common objections that we have to really empowering or embodying our own voice? Fantastic. I love how you call them objections because that's a beautiful way of Mm -hmm. saying it too. Uh, So inbuilt into our biology, we've discovered, and this is over hundreds of songwriters' journeys, which are you know, six, six month experiences we do privately with people, but thousands of voices we've got to um, invite to sing with us over the last six years uh, and beyond. What we've discovered is like five main inhibitive voices and we call them the small voices. They are exactly mm-hmm. as you put it, Lee, objections. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I object. And what we've discovered is, you know, let's define small voice for a mm-hmm. sec. Small voices are born in the human experience, in your lifetime, you know, in your mind and body, they're born in the wake of traumatic moments. Even if there's tiny little traumas, like, shh, you sound bad, you, or we don't sing in this family, whatever it is, that in the wake of those traumas, small voices are born. And a small voice is uh, an automatic, negative-leaning, thought-feeling sensation or emotion that aims at doing one thing, checking if what you're about to do, to be all of yourself, is dangerous, safe, perfect, too much. And it basically puts these inhibitive markers in our biology to say, maybe don't be all of yourself. Maybe don't take the risk because it may have not worked last time. And so, so much of our work is helping people bring back under their wing their small voices that Mm -hmm. have been creating a dissonant choir in their life. So what are these five top, the top five small voices that seem to rear their their voices, yeah. um, their squawky, loud voices, um, you know, tantra, temper tantrums half the time, yeah. but they come in just just when we're about to or just after, you know, mm-hmm. as shame. But mm-hmm. like, you know, just before or just after, um, in, generally in the beginning of the process, uh, the first one comes up, which is I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. So don't even try. Mm-hmm. This or, is not for or you. Is this is this good enough? You know, it could, it could be a question or a statement, um, but it's the good enough. It's the good enough thing. You know, uh, so many people suffer from never really voicing themselves, and this is not just singing. This is voicing their ideas in the world. This is daring to share that they don't go beyond beginning, because not even beginning, because it might not be good enough. Mm. It's a big one that haunts so much. And, of us. and it's based in comparison. So you know. We like to believe or we, we like to show people that they are, in fact, incomparable, that the comparison model is, doesn't apply to their voice. They can't be compared. There, there will never be anyone mm. who sounds and hears like you do mm. ever again. Another big small voice that comes up a lot, Lee, is I'm unsafe. Mm. And uh, I, can, I can speak to I'm unsafe, you know, in my history, in my life, uh, the I'm unsafe small voice almost took my life or I almost let it take my life. Um, in my earlier life, I almost lost my life to a very critical case of obsessive compulsive disorder, which when you really, you know, unpack OCD, it's, it's a relationship with being unwilling to feel unsafe and to do whatever it takes to relieve or make absolute that you are safe. And so it was a a huge battle in my life. And for the last decade, I've been a behavioral coach Mm. on that subject of what it takes to bring that I'm unsafe voice under your wing and and dare to to try and do and put yourself out there regardless. Check out Torald's podcast on embracing crazy. Yeah, just begun, which has been exciting, beautiful. Uh, Very cool. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you. So a huge one that comes up for everyone right now, 2021, it's not perfect. Mm. Um, I'm not perfect. It's not perfect. Um, And what's so fascinating about this small voice, uh, it's not perfect, is that if you looked at the evidence, you know, if you looked at the evidence, more people that suffer from this small voice in their life will accept an F over a C or a B, that they would accept an F incomplete. over a C or a B. Yeah, yeah. they'd rather incomplete mm-hmm. than, than walk through without a, a perfection stamp. And, you know, there's something deep within us that longs for God, mm-hmm. for connection to spirit, to source, whatever you want to call it. We long to feel a connection to perfection. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's human. 
it almost shows that we have this evolutionary seed in us. And, and maybe one day we'll find that level of, of brilliance and, and, and excellence in our, in our human race. But for now, we have to settle for good enough, you know? Mm. And, and it's really hard because our whole world, you know, of, of applications and Instagram and everything, they, we give, we're given these tools to perfect ourselves. In the music world, we use um, tuning technology to, to perfect our voice mm. and we're all guilty of it, right? We're all guilty of it. So, and, but, but what happens when we don't do that? We realize that the imperfections are the humanity, are the beautiful, you know, relatable parts the of things us. things we long for you know. in each other. We just long for perfection in ourselves, right? Yeah. But what we long for in each other is the imperfections, the rawness, right? And the data is everywhere. Like everyone could go into their life as a performer or a creative and say, when people really were struck by your art, it was most likely when it was the most human mm -hmm. and real. And yet the perfectionist or the small voice, it's not perfect, doesn't want to hear that. But it, mm -hmm. it's our big voice that knows that, right? Yeah. Um, so to continue on, another one is I'm not worthy. Mm. We find this a lot. A lot of people have a small voice that goes off that they're not worthy of the greatness mm. that awaits them being them. And maybe this comes from maybe maybe a past trauma they feel responsible for, maybe a different time where they feel guilty uh, and terrible or bad or some other reason that they might not feel worthy now. But we really see that as a small voice because everyone is. Everyone is worthy. Everyone is worth yeah. now voicing. Yeah, there's like we find in singing there's two kinds of egos. There's the good view ego and the bad view ego, like fats. <laughs> and so it takes a certain amount of good ego to get up and sing. It's self-love. You know, it's self-kindness. It's, self it's, it's uh, courage. And, and often we're, we're taught to not occupy that space. Mm. It's bad to, to get up and take up space, you know. Mm. Um, and, you know, maybe someone has had, you know, someone in their life and their family who's, uh, I hate the word narcissistic because it's so negative, but, you know, more self-oriented and more mm -hmm. kind of very easily takes up space and doesn't know how not to. You know, often you'll find them around people that <laughs> give up that space and don't, don't know how to step two feet and occupy mm -hmm. some, their own space. And it's true. And, and, and it's almost like they're not worthy of that space mm. and, and they're here to give space rather than to take space. Yeah, um, so, and then the, the, we've the done our, I'm too much, right? No, but, we, well, we'll touch I'm too much officially because uh, this one's so big. <laughs> um, I'm too much uh, is a voice that we find uh, come up a lot too. It's, it's one that a lot of Americans don't necessarily recognize straight away mm -hmm. because it's been promoted to all of us mm. as Americans to go, well, let, you know, there's no such thing. Second you know? Amendment. Like, let's be big. Let's be bold. Let's be courageous. Let's be large. Let's be successful. However, we find there's a lot of, oh, I might be too much if I'm all of myself. Um, in Australia, it's obvious. It's the tall poppy syndrome. That we inherited. Uh, very similar to the UK. Very so similar. We, Whenever I've worked in Australia, we've all laughed about that in workshops, you know. It's the same mind virus, if we can call it that. Like it's the same program that yeah. runs in every institution yeah. in Australia. And, and it's, it's found in the slogan. Get in line. It's get in line, know? but it's found in the Aussie slogan, don't think you're good, mate. Yeah. Like quite literally. Right in that statement is the is the bylaws of the contract you know the australian cultural contract often has been that is like you know be great but don't then think you're good so there's a there's a there's a space between excellent and then too much and so there's it can be a dimming down and so too much can show up culturally but for an american there's actually a lot of americans that feel i'm too much maybe they had a sister that they when they were themselves maybe they made their sister mm. jealous or their brother jealous mm -hmm. maybe they made their mother or father feel uneasy about how bold and beautiful and expressive mm. they were maybe somewhere in their life they they made a determination i'm too much maybe they were told that um, and it was a trauma what we find with too much is that often birds the rebel too, that a lot of people that are extremely loud are rebelling against that voice within them. <laughs> so it's a complex, small voice, but we find it show up time and time again. 
So interesting. You know, I was, it was 2010 or, or 2009. I'd been doing my work as a channeler and an intuitive for six years. And I had had to uh, work against and sometimes with my small voice a lot to kind of stand, especially as a channeler, because it, you know, it was just, it was edgy, especially back then more so. So when I suddenly got music coming through me again, because I wanted to be a singer songwriter in the music industry. It's kind of what I was doing in around 2000. Um, all of these songs started coming and now they had a different spirituality to them because of the journey I'd been on. But when I got in the vocal booth to record the vocals for that album, Golden World, all of my wounds as a singer that I was not expecting because I'd gone through this journey where I had, you know, luckily, I guess, been validated by other people as a speaker. Same voice, different slant. It was, I was black and blue after like, you know, two years in this vocal booth trying to finish this album. So all the trauma that was left uh, as a singer and also that my composer was not happy with the singer he'd been given because my composer had written this great song that the singer couldn't quite manage or couldn't quite get to. So I know firsthand exactly what you're talking about and how those traumas stay in us. But one of the things I always say to creatives, especially if they're spiritually inclined, is it is the best self-development journey. And if you're not willing to heal, if you're not willing to go through the, you know, some of the ups and downs and some of the emotions that will come through you as you birth something new into the world, you will sit at home and feel miserable or resentful of other people because there's no way to get there without going through some healing. That's kind of the point, you know, especially when you're putting work out there that holds that healing frequency for others. You've got to be willing to put yourself in there too, even though it's not always easy. Totally. Mm. Beautifully said. And to speak on healing in the small voices, like what we, we find that like um, at the end of any journey, the small voices aren't, you know, they don't go anywhere. You can't heal them or take them away because there's nothing wrong. Um, they're there almost as our helpers to, to, to point us in the direction. Like it's almost like, you know, if we walk towards our fears by walking towards the small voices, to walking towards the trauma, to feel it all, there's gold there for us. By running away, we just create resistance and tiredness and exhaustion and, you know, but by going towards them, by embracing them, by, like Torrid said, putting them under your wing like a screaming child, you know, mm. by allowing them to be there and, and doing it anyway, being in life anyway, you know, we come to a wholeness that is the root of healing um, and an allowance to be who we are, you know, mess, warts and all. You know, and and if we can approach healing like that as, as like a integration of what's already there, we are the ingredients for this to be whole and complete as it is in every moment. So, you know, mm. can you be in the studio, in that vocal booth, feeling all of the feeling, the biology of fear, dread, repulsion, oh God, all the things, judgment, and then just take a deep breath with all of that. And then, ah, you know, it's redemption singing it anyway, right? It's, totally. it's reclamation. I've been there so many times. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's and, and this goes for, so I've been told, wow, you can sing. Hmm. You know, you're special since I was 12. I'm 40 in May now, this, this month. And I, uh, I still have all of those. In fact, I, I'll reach and either feel not good enough or I'll reach and do something amazing. And I might get a small voice that says, well, don't think you don't think you're too good. Who are you better than? <laughs> oh no. Now you distract from the song. So the voices can move. However, they, however they move, they move. And um, just to join into what Isaac's saying is that when we form a new relationship to those automatic voices and thoughts and feelings and sensations and emotions that we've run from or tried mm. to fix. Mm. When we form a relationship of being able to witness them, being able to experience them for what they are, as soon as we give that kind of space between us and the experience of them, we, we go from being them to having them. 
Mm. And in that simple transmission between being and having, something magnificent occurs. That it's something that we have mm. within our mind, body, and our biology. We have a small voice going off. We have an objection. We mm. have an inhibition. So much of our dis-ease is because we have a relationship to try to get rid of those. Mm. And we often fall into a trap where we feel like we need to fix ourselves before we can be our best selves. Mm-hmm. And that's bull. Because the totally. truth, we just need to bring them back under our wing and do the very things Mm. that that big voice or that part of us wants to truly do mm. and risk uh, the threats of those voices, but also to befriend those voices at the very mm. same time. What happens when we do that? After a period of time, uh, they may not go anywhere, but they absolutely uh, begin to dull and begin, begin if we can accept them, to have shorter duration of severity mm-hmm. so, over yeah. a period of time. I like the distinction have because what it sets up this conversation of like, I've got you. So you're saying to that small voice, I have you, meaning I've got you. Yeah. And that's what they want to hear, like as if it were the parent. And so what, what it sets up is, is that we are often a choir of small voices, but we also have our big voice. And so in any moment of action, who's got the microphone? And so we, we're just inviting the big voice to take back lovingly the microphone from the choir of the small voices who often have the microphone, meaning have control of the, our actions. Do we record that vocal or do we go home? You know, do we, do we stay in our heads or do we go into our hearts? You know, and, and that's the choice we're making. And you can be in your heart and tremble with fear, you know, um, and that's okay. And, and sometimes that tremble is, is what we love most about the voice. That, you know? Without question. And that's another Hollywood myth that we've, we've, we've sold ourselves, uh, that fearless is a goal. Mm. Uh, what about a loving relationship to the fear that we feel? And what about a beautiful relationship to the feelings that were once unfeelable to be feelable again? And what about just that new beautiful relationship where we can handle the full spectrum of mm. uh, the emotional wheel and allow our voices um, to sound out with them even? What, yeah. what kind of courage, what kind of capacity would that be for someone? Mm. And that is entirely possible for each of us. It really is. Yeah. For example, like touring with Pink, we'd get it before we'd get on stage. She had this amazing kind of see-through curtain and so you could stand on the big stage and kind of look out at the arena of 20,000 people and the smell of 20,000 people, the popcorn, the, the perfume, the, the kind of excitement of all of these music fans. And they're waiting for Pink. They're not, they didn't even know, half of them didn't even know that we were about to play. We were the opening act. But so all of my small voices, the, you know, I can't sing, which amounts to, you know, I'm not good enough to be here, um, you know, that would come up and I, I would, you know, as a ritual, I would just imagine that all of the people were in my heart. <laughs> and so I was running out on stage coming home to them. And I would run out there as if they were waiting for me because I was waiting for them. And so, you know, just to kind of include, you know, the outcast coming home by including everyone inside, you know, my voice. That 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 moment was ours to share, and I had to you take went, did it anyway. I had right? to take uh, take out <laughs> the, the small voice underneath my wing, and and others, um, and uh, you know, do it anyway. Maybe that's the greatest human secretly, you know, to do it anyway with your fears and voices under your wing. I, I think that's the secret to creativity. You know, what, so many things you guys said, but parenting ourselves is one of the things that I teach. You know, that we. We don't reject our kids. Like if you have three kids and one of them is having a bad day or is moaning, you don't go, oh, okay, well, bye, you're out of the house. You know, you, you're like, yeah. okay, I have to. And we, it's the same with all those voices inside us. But I did um, a training program called Impact the World, funnily enough, a couple of years ago. And one of the first things I shared with um, everyone who showed up, who was there to bring their creative or their healing work to the world, I shared the story of Adele who uh, Adele the singer, who is a global smash hit in the music industry. And her record sales are unheard of for these days when most people are streaming. 
She did one of the biggest tours in 2016, I think it was. And I had a quote from her where she said, I still keep thinking it's all a mistake and someone's going to send me back home. And I just use it as an example of you can get all the validation and all the, all the success in the world and you'll still be in relationship to that voice. So you can be in relationship to that voice and stay at home and not do something. Or you can, as you guys say, really develop a new relationship with it. Because I'm the same. You know, I've been creating for a long time. And still those voices can show up. And usually if I'm doing something new, they're bigger than they usually are. But I have a, I have a way of, you know, knowing how to navigate them and what they might need and yeah, so every everything you say is is uh is beautiful. That's fantastically. Ditto. Yes, indeed. And Adele, what a what a beautiful example of um a human being, you know, thrust upon her for for not just the reasons we know. Adele mm. is uh, has a goddess voice. It's just incredible. She's also in, incredibly human. And then mm. there's this other thing that we may never really know, which is right time, right place, right amount that makes someone um, go through that level of fame and success. You know, we love, we love to believe we're in control that, you know, sometimes it's our actions, of course, or our inactions, but the level that Adele reached was, you know, it's almost like her own Beatles. And the irony is that she's used as a benchmark, like I'm no Adele. Exactly. Right. And so that's the beautiful irony is that, um, you know, in this comparative world, you know, people like Adele, um, we use against ourselves. And yet, and yet, she's, and yet right there, there she is not feeling good enough yeah. herself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what a, what a perfect, what a perfect view of, of the human voice and how mm-hmm. inhibition works that, mm-hmm. that someone that um, at the top could feel the very same thing that someone we might get to work with, you know, uh, maybe, you know, a 64 year old woman yeah, who felt like she mm-hmm. couldn't sing and comes across our work and goes, I know something in my expression would open, but you know, I just, I'm not good enough. Has the exact same experience as Adele is still having. And on the marriage. other side, you know, in, in, in to us, um, when, when that person, when that I can't singer goes through a journey of self-discovery to then, experience herself authentically as a voice it's just believe us it's just as beautiful as adele singing of course of course but but isn't it interesting how uh if you like the the zoom lens of fame and success has a certain programming in our mind oh they're on the cover of vogue well you could put your sister on the cover of vogue with the same makeup team lighting and would we see it differently? You know, there, there is that kind of, like you said, it's a very, very small percentage of people who have that level of fame and success. For many of them, it's not desirable. For many of them, it's not comfortable, enjoyable, what they really wanted. So I think bringing back true expression to our lives, whether it's what your grandmother is singing in the kitchen is the favorite song and voice you will remember all your life, or whether it is a relationship with an artist that release a CD or I don't think the circumstances are as important as how we feel about yeah. our connection to that person or our connection to doing it ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We believe that singing is our birthright. And so, and, and we believe that singing is here to, to make us vital and to give us energy and to, and to empower us and to connect us to what, to who we are. And so, you know, everyone, even our father is, he, he has no pursuit musical. He would say he's an I can't singer, but in truth, he's an always singing. He's always humming to himself. Mm. And, and that's part of his musicality that he keeps close to himself. But, mm. you know, he had no, no experience in music other than he's always, pretty much always singing, humming a little tune to himself. Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that. This flashes on something for me this morning. Um, I was at home alone. I love vinyl. I love vinyl records. So my current favorite album is Ludovico Einaudi, uh, Seven Days Walking, Day Seven. And uh, he did all seven of these. And I was sat there listening to it this morning on the record player by myself. And I had this profound moment that this moment would not be the same if I was sharing it with someone else. Even my husband, Stephen, who I listened to it with last night, and that was lovely. I was having this intimate moment with music and it was just quiet and the cat was there. 
and I was really struck. I was like, wow, this is this is a pure moment for me with with what he created and what's now moving through my body. There is something so primal about our relationship with music. And as you earlier said, how we all hear is so different. I've had that experience of playing a friend or someone I'm working with, a song that I'm working on, and I, I can hear how they're hearing it, and it's completely different every time. There's the person who loves it, and they cry, and then there's the person who's like, oh, yeah, that's nice, and you're like, oh, okay, I won't, I won't play them anymore, you know, because it, it's not their thing, but we're all so unique. Yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah. You're touching on what we call in our work musical cosmology, uh, that each of us are entirely unique in how we are hit by music and that uh, we can study someone. This is what we get to do in our, in our program, The Songwriter's Journey, that you can deeply study someone and their musical constellation of the music that has struck them their whole life from when they're a child all the way through to where they are today. And when you unpack someone being moved by music on a cellular level, you, it reveals the human. It reveals the way we move. We're moved the way we move. And so music is just such an incredible medium to see someone. We've, been, we've had the opportunity and the pleasure, honor of writing songs now with groups of people on Zooms. And um, it's remarkable how musical people are and how there's a song in everyone waiting to come out. And we're actually about to... Uh, about to launch our first Shift Network course on Uncovering Your Soul Song, or title still um, to be confirmed, but Uncovering Your Soul Song on the Shift Network. And, and we're going to be writing song with people in a process that's um, really kind of uh, in their own cocoon through, through a, a, you know, a held sacred space. Um, and it's over the course. It's on May 19th, right? Begins on May 19. So we will release this episode a little ahead of that so that people have the opportunity to check it out. We'll put the link in the show notes and everything. So, Thank you, Lee. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, this is the first ever of its kind for us. You know, we have, when it comes to leading people into their own creative process uh, with us as their brothers to do so, uh, we've always done that over multiple months, privately or in small groups in the songwriter's journey. This will be our first time ever um, with a crew of people heading out to, to uncover that song that's, that, that's just ready to be uh, revealed um, mm. in, a, in a course setting. I wonder what small voices are going to come up for us doing yeah. something new. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that because that was where I wanted to go next. So we've talked a lot about music. We've talked a lot about singing. But because you guys are holding space for the big voice in the world for so many people, I'm really curious because I know how this works. You know, if I hold a course with a certain title, I pay attention to how that title is theming into my life or sometimes it's something I've done for many years maybe. But I'm curious, like what has been, what have you noticed or what has surprised you about the personal effect for each of you because you are holding space in this for your work? Like even when you go about your life with people who don't know what you do, mm -hmm. have you noticed the the kind of um, yeah, catalytic effect you probably have. Well, you, usually whatever course anyone is offering is usually the course they need the most. So to be full disclosure, <laughs> but um, and okay. full, to be fully honest, you know, um, it we did turn around uh, after a few years of, of holding space for others and and say, well, you know, we we actually have to take care of our own voices together and individually, and. Um, you know, life happened to us, uh, you know, pretty bumped into us pretty hard and we had a lot to, to write about. And we also had a request and, it, and we're grateful for the request of uh, Ken Rockwood from Rockwood Music, uh, Rockwood Music Hall in New York City. He has a label and he asked us, he said, would you make an album, an acoustic album, you know, the way you used to play in my venue, just you two and a guitar. And so... Um, we said yes. We said yes. <laughs> and uh, we went on this pretty much a year-long exploration of our musical cosmology, shared musical cosmology as the union of two individuals. And, um, and that was fascinating. And, and we, we really kind of put ourselves through our own process. It's actually literally the songwriter's journey stage by stage that we've now taken, well, maybe 160 uh, humans on. We 
we pointed it toward ourselves and said, well, let's go from the beginning, you know, that we'll set sail into the creative unknown. You know, what is the music that wants to come out of us now yeah. under that, you know, creative act? And we, we walked through each stage and really just allowed, you know, what we've done for so many to be, to be pointed toward us. And, um, it turned out we had a lot of, uh, healing transformation catharsis to process. We had some, uh, you know, some ancestral, you know, work to do with our grandmother. We never got to meet the whole album is dedicated to her. Uh, the grandmother we never got to meet who, who took, we think took her own life. We never saw the, the note, but she took her wedding ring off and she took out, she went out in her own plane on Mother's Day 45 years ago and went out into the ocean. And mm. uh, so the album's called I Went to the Sea to Be Free. Mm. Um, and in it, we also process uh, a remarkable loss um, and, and gift in the short life of Tarald's son, Jack Mutsura McRae Koran, who uh, was born with uh, uh, critical uh, brain damage in a birth injury um, about two years ago. And, um, and so we honor him in this album and he really was part of writing this album. Yeah, he was alive during the process. Um, during our songwriter's journey to create the album coming out in June. And uh, he passed away in January uh, of 2020. And uh, so it's it's also many songs are dedicated to mm. um, grief and loss and, and understanding uh, just, you know, being open to the human experience that we all go through and um, giving container just like song gets to for the hardest of life's experiences uh, as they as they find you. And so this album has, uh, you know, holds that as well. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm so, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you told me right before we did this conversation, you were bringing out a new album. And I said, I'm, I'm really glad that you're, you're letting that come out. Um, so I know you're going to sing for us in a moment, which is awesome. And um, I know that people are going to really um, enjoy that. But I would ask you, kind of riffing on what, what I just asked you, what would you say are the joys and gifts that we get to experience when we unlock our voices? Perhaps the unexpected ones. I don't just mean being able to sing freely or speak freely. What have you noticed are the kind of net effects in the people that you work with or your own journeys, what you have noticed by giving yourself to this path in such a devoted way? Well, I, I would start by saying uh, self-acceptance, which... <laughs> If you somatically feel self-acceptance where there's no rooms in your mind and body where you aren't welcome to venture, right? Where you feel free to voice. What occurs is this incredible currency. Uh, and I believe it's the highest of currencies in, in here, which is being proud of yourself. Mm. And, uh, I would say one of the lowest feelings is being not proud of yourself. And, and I don't mean pride. I mean just uh, like me. What I've discovered in myself and watching others reclaim their voice is that there's this new vitality that's coursing through their veins where they feel the freedom and power and connection to the voice that they are and the willingness to share it even if they're scared. And the currency that reciprocates is oh, I'm proud of myself. And that is like liquid gold from some, you know, ancient planet. And so mm -hmm. I would say that's the most surprising. Mm -hmm. And I can see it when someone gets the transmission and it happens, I can see them a year and a half later at some event and they don't even realize they're still glowing. Right. And not the same. Yeah. And that's there for all of us. For sure. All of us to discover again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we find that people that sing again, reclaim that, um, find courage, conviction, connection, um, and vitality, you know, uh, they, they just, you know, we, 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 it calls for us to be present. Mm. You know, we, I, I like to say I sing therefore I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, this is the perfect time for oh, you guys yeah. to sing for us, I think. And thank you for doing this. Oh, yeah. It's our pleasure. Well, we want to, you know, this is, uh, 
We want to sing ease in and in, into this moment, and uh, this is a song that's unreleased uh, from the album. From the album, the Brothers Corn album, and it's called Easy. And this is actually uh, penned with our mother uh, to oh. to bring it full circle. She's an incredible writer, and this actually is a song about love uh, of the greatest of eases uh, that flows. You know, that love doesn't have to be hardship. It can be just. It can just flow. Even this one. Here's, here's, here's something I would like anyone who just listened to that and had the same response I did, which is just how beautiful your voices are. Not only the way that you two syncopate, but just if you listened to this whole conversation and you heard the guys saying uh, they don't always love their voice or they've had moments where they thought they couldn't sing, let that be a lesson to all of us because that's what just came out of you guys. So yeah, congratulations with, with the new album. I can't wait to get it. It's, it's fantastic. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so Very much. Very kind. Thank you, Lee. Thanks yeah. for having us too. It's been so fun talking. Well, I shared with you, I think you first came on my radar about four years ago through through a friend. And, and so it's just been lovely to have this full circle moment. And I love what you're doing in the world because sure, we've been talking about singing and music, but we've been talking about life and being a human. And that that's the beautiful interwoven part of it all so um good luck with all you're doing not that you need it and um yeah i look forward to to more with you guys in the future thank you and and to all all of you listening you know if you have this desire to rediscover mm. or discover for the first time that you have been gifted a voice you know and that music is this elixir this medium this container for us all that it is our nature's birthright um do so 
And, and if it calls you, find us in the world. We're waiting for you. Your voice is waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And all of your offerings are at brotherscorin.com and we will put that link in with the show notes, but we'll also link to your new course with the Shift Network, which we think is called Uncover Your Soul Song at the moment. That's the, yeah. yeah. We do think um, so, yeah. Perfect. And um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to your album in June. And that is the album just called The Brothers Corrin? Well, it's the, the album is I Went to the Sea to Be Free. Oh, yes. You said I Went to the Sea to Be Free. Perfect. Great. Okay. Well, thank you guys and uh, big love and thank you for being here. And um, yeah, good luck with everything you're doing. And to you. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Impact the World. And if you want to go deeper and more in depth with my work, you should check out my members group, The Portal. You can find it at my website, leeharrisenergy.com or visit theportal.world.